0: Good morning and welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome back to our series, Mixtape. Again, that concept of the mixtape. You take a bunch of favorite songs, you put them on one tape, and uh, maybe you use it so that you can play some of your favorites, or maybe you put your favorites on a tape and then give it to a friend or give it to somebody special. What we're looking at in here is a number of some powerful scriptures that have great meaning for you and I today. And so we've taken a look at James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. How do we get closer to God? That's available again, podcast on our website. Uh, last week, we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. And we looked at what does God desire? What does God want from me? What are, what are some of those thoughts? And we looked at five actions there. It was to fear, to walk, to love, to serve, and to keep his commands and statutes. So some powerful weeks, some powerful principles and actions for you and I. Today, we're going to turn to uh, the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. Three different verses, although they're fairly short. And today's question is, what is the will of God? Probably a question that you've had. I mean, if you are a Christian, you're wanting to know, how do I please God? What does God want? Not just what does He want, but what is His will? what's his will for my life what are some things he not just wants me not just desires but it's his will there's a lot of great insights on that and so as we get into the text we're going to see several short statements if you would on Christian living and it's a handful of some rather forceful commands You, you might call these actions you might call them attitudes for living in a sense, Paul gives us some of these inner attitudes. You and I are to choose to be able to fulfill and live out the will of God, and they should be woven into every aspect of our life. God's will. When God wants something in you and something in me, we say, hey, let us live this out. What is God's will? What actions does he desire? What attitudes does he want for you and me? And so at the very end of verse 18, it says, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So there's no guessing. Why I wonder what might God want? What might he desire? Paul writes and says, this is God's will. In other words, mark it down, stamp it down, count on it take it to the bank, this is God's will. So we're going to back up then. We're going to look at those three thoughts, three actions, three attitudes that Paul says are God's will. And first of all, what is God's will? Verse 16 says that we are to be joyful. How many of you are joyful today? Let's let's look around. Let's take a look at the faces, see if joyful describes our countenance and our face. Paul writes this, verse 16, the NIV says, rejoice always. Oh, boy. He had to put that word always in, right? Uh, Not just rejoice if you feel like it. Not just rejoice, you know, if your body's feeling good today. How many of you have some of those good and not so good days, right? It's not just rejoice when you think about it. It's rejoice always. Literally, that's the entire verse. We're going to help you memorize Scripture today. You're going to walk out of here having memorized at least two verses of Scripture because verse 16 and 17 are super short. Did you see it? It says, rejoice always. Always. It's two words. Now, some, some fun Bible trivia for you. Most of the time when we would say, what is the shortest verse in the Bible? We say John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. And that is correct in English. In English, Jesus wept. It is two words. It is nine letters. However, how many of you know Paul didn't write with King James English? Paul wrote in the Greek. So you go back into the Greek, and in John eleven thirty five, 35, Jesus wept. It. It's translated into two words for us in English In Greek. It's actually three words, 16 letters. So today's text is actually the shortest verse in the original language in Greek. It is only two words and 14 letters. So just a, a tad shorter. But we say rejoice always. We're encouraged to be joyful. We're encouraged to be cheerful. It means the ability to maintain peace and calm when our circumstances are anything but. You ever faced a day or a week or a month or maybe a year like that when your circumstances are anything but peace, and calm. And yet, we are encouraged to rejoice, to be joyful, be cheerful. Listen, joy and this attitude of joyfulness, it is not dependent on our circumstances. Happiness is. You and I can be happy, and we tend to be happy when things go well. True? So you're feeling good? Oh, I feel pretty happy today. Oh, I got a nice-looking check from my work. Oh, I'm feeling pretty happy today. Something went well at work, or some blessing showed up, and so we are happy based on our circumstances. That's happiness. And so if we base our lives on happiness, it's up and down, right? Right? Maybe you have some days or even weeks where where you stay up pretty, pretty much because things are going well. Your happiness levels are high. But when Paul says to rejoice, the joy that we have, it's a choice. It's not dependent on circumstances. Paul says rejoice always. Not just be happy when things go well, but rejoice in the midst of everything, no matter what your circumstances are like. So whether your money or income or possessions are high or low, rejoice in the midst of that. The things that have happened, uh, grades, good or bad, health, good or bad, job, good or bad, possessions, new or old, rejoice. Be joyful. Be cheerful. It's not about just being happy, but living a life of joy. It's a choice that Chosen state of mind. You and I can choose to be joyful. Good news is we have some help. Aren't you thankful for help? The Holy Spirit, one of the gifts of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, all, all of those fruits of the Spirit, but joyfulness, a part of that. Be joyful, rejoice. Always, no matter what the circumstance is, because those circumstances changes, guess what does not. God. God and His faithfulness to you and I do not change. We can be joyful, even in the midst of some difficult or challenging situations, because He is faithful. I trust, I know that you can look back to your life and you can see the faithfulness of God. Years ago, weeks ago, the past week, today, in the midst of ups and downs of circumstances, we can rejoice. We can keep our eyes focused on God as opposed to the circumstances. Because our circumstances change, and our happiness changes. God doesn't. The joy that we have as a result of that can be in Him. Be joyful. It's that calm security. It's that peaceful trust, even in the midst of a storm. Maybe you've experienced that. That joy and that peace. When you think, my world seems to be crumbling around me, yet I trust and yet I've got joy, not because of my circumstances, but I've got joy because of God and because of who He is. Now, understand, living joyful, being joyful doesn't mean that we ignore sorrow or heartache or difficulty because how many of you know we have faced and will continue to experience that anybody had a, a difficult day or week or month ever in your life probably 100 percent. hands would be raised right So it doesn't mean that we bury our head in the sand and we're joyful and we're just making, you know, smiling and and acting like everything's good. Sometimes things are not always good. But in the midst of the not-so-good times, you and I can rejoice because of who God is. We can be joyful. God is with us no matter what takes place. The psalmist says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He says, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. It wasn't because he did not experience difficulty or hardship. He's saying, I'm going right in the midst of it, but I'm thankful. I can have trust. I can have peace. I can have joy. Because he says, God, you are with me. Aren't you thankful God's with you? God is able to be with us in the midst of that. Paul says we can be, and God's will is to be joyful. He's there with us in the good times. And and we long for, we look to see and experience many of the good times. Does God abandon us in the difficult? No. So we can rejoice. The joy that he gives, the, the joy and attitude that we ought to have not taken away by circumstances, live out and be joyful. You want to know what God's will is? Part of that, and listen, this is not the only Scripture in Scripture that shares about God's will, but here's one of them. He says, this is God's will. He encourages you and I to be joyful. Secondly, you want to know what God's will is? God's will is to be prayerful. Prayerful Verse 17, another short one. Verse 16 says to rejoice always. Verse 17 says to pray continually. In the Greek, it would be second shortest, only to verse 16. You might have King James or another version would say pray without ceasing, pray constantly. The message in a modern paraphrase says to pray all the time. So when we read that continually, without ceasing, continually, Constantly pray all the time sometimes our thought would go to this point and let's just understand what it doesn't mean it doesn't mean literally 24 hours a day 7 days a week every second every moment every minute we are verbally we just continue talking, talking, talking talking, talking, talking how many of you would get tired out after 24 hours of talking now don't turn to anybody near you and accuse them of talking that much I mean, you and I, we know some people, perhaps, who might talk a lot. This isn't, this isn't where Paul says, literally, just keep talking, talking, talking every second of the day. Because if you think back and remember to some of Jesus' teaching when he talks about prayer, the encouragement, he said, is you don't need to keep repeating things over and over and over again because God knows what you're speaking about. We don't have to feel as if big words makes God hear us, or extra, multiple, you know, extra words makes God hear us. So it's not about just continuing to talk every moment, every second, every minute, because if you did, I'm not sure how we would get around, and particularly if, let's say, you're on your knees, and you've got your hands together and your eyes closed, you're going to be bumping into a whole lot of people throughout the day. How many of you are clumsy enough as it is? We don't need any help with our eyes closed praying. So it's not just to say, okay, we're going to do nothing 24 hours a day except pray. But it's it's that word that implies a worshipful and reverent approach to God. It's that that daily kind of throughout the day conversation as opposed to the ritual. It's not just, okay, I'm going to designate one minute or five minutes, and this is my moment of prayer, my minutes of prayer, and then the rest of the day I'm not going to do anything. Pray, yes. Set aside some time for prayer, yes. But let's have that prayerful discipline of prayer. In fact, Paul writes in some other scriptures about how to be prayerful, and it tends to focus on faithfulness and consistent and persistence. Check it out. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Here in our, in our text, he says pray continually. That text, he says be faithful in prayer. Ephesians 6:18 as he's talking about the armor of God and standing up against things he says pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers again it's that prayerful attitude Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 he says devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful this action or attitude of prayer is hopefully to permeate the day, not just devote prayer to this small, tiny slice of our day where we say, I prayed, I took 30 seconds, I took one minute, I took five seconds before a meal. All of those are good things, but let's have this prayerful attitude throughout the day. It's a regular conversation with God. This is persistence. This is consistent. Now, back to the Greek here, the adverb used for continually, it's interesting. Some of the commentators say that it was used in the Greek similar to a hacking cough. How many of you have ever had a little bit of a hacking cough? You you cough and you cough and you cough and you just can't get rid of it. You ever had one of those? Were you literally coughing every second of the minute? Every second of the hour? Not every second but it was pretty persistent. It was fairly consistent, right? It was continual throughout the day or afternoon or whatever. And so it's not, Paul's not saying pray every literal second, but let let it be something that just doesn't stop. Not just in the morning when we say, okay, I'm going to read God's word and pray a little bit, and then I'm done with him for the rest of the day. But be prayerful. Have that communication with God in prayer. Do we have a longing for God throughout the day? Being prayerful and desirous of being in His presence, wanting to spend time with Him. You remember, and hopefully, not just do you remember, but do you continue to have that desire for maybe that special someone, that that spouse in your life? Oh, oftentimes when, uh, when people would date and you, you begin to meet somebody and, and your desire is, boy, you just want to spend time, you want to talk together. Kim and I met, we were about an hour, hour and a half apart and we would talk every day and, and at that time, kind of before we had cell phones and before some of the, the plans were different, uh, it was typically every night after nine. All the rates were better and cheaper After nine. So it might be an hour or two or more every night after nine. And typically once a week, a kind of a date day, and, and we would long to spend some time together just to be in the same room as opposed to on the other side of the phone. Hopefully there's still that desire in your life as well for that special someone. Does that describe, hopefully, our heart and our desire for God? We can't wait to be in his presence. We can't wait to read his word. We can't wait to spend some time in prayer. We can't wait not just to share our life with him and go through our day and maybe ask for help or healing or prayer for needs, but maybe to pause and to hear from him. Being prayerful, it's Continual communication throughout the day, much like you would with a close friend. Because he is closer than a brother, he is our heavenly father. Let us be prayerful. We can talk to God about anything, right? At any time, at any place. Some of you, your car is your best prayer closet. There's if if we don't have Radios, stereos, or other things on, it can be very quiet. It can be very private. Sometimes uh, you might struggle getting a little bit of quiet time. For, for some people, you know, being in the car is a, a great place. So be prayerful, but not just in the home, not just in the car. Throughout the day, let us have that attitude of prayer to God. Abraham Joshua Heschel has this quote. He says, Prayer is not a stratagem for occasional use, a refuge to resort to now and then. It is rather like an established residence for the innermost self. It's a place we go to a lot throughout the day. We're spending time, investing time in prayer with God. Not just, I prayed for 30 seconds, my day is done, I'm finished with prayer. But the action and the attitude throughout the day, not just of being joyful in the circumstances, but being prayerful. It realizes you and I have a true dependence upon God. Can we make it on our own without Him? Too many times, unfortunately, we try. Prayer lets us know we need God's help. We're encouraged to get plugged in. We're encouraged to get connected to him. You want to know God's will? Paul says, be joyful. You want to know God's will? Paul says, be prayerful. And finally, you want to know God's will? Verse 18, we're encouraged to be thankful. Be thankful. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Thankfulness. He says to give thanks in all circumstances, even if we don't feel like it. Boy, It's kind of like being joyful. Giving thanks even when we don't feel like it. We can give thanks. Now, notice here, verse 18, it says, give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say give thanks for them. Again, we talked about difficult times that happen, right? Difficulties, struggles, financial challenges, physical challenges, etc. We're not saying, God, thank you for the difficulties. We're saying, God, I'm going to give thanks even in the midst of them. Give thanks in all of our circumstances. In other words, it doesn't mean that everything you and I face is good, but God is good in the midst of everything you and I face. We can give thanks in all circumstances. Now listen, we can be pretty good about giving thanks in good situations, right? When something good happens, and, and listen, God is blessing, and whether it's a financial blessing or whether it's a healing in your body or a, a relationship that, that gets mended, something bad that turns good, it's easy to give thanks in good situations. But that's not what Paul is saying here. He said that's not just in good situations. He says, give thanks in all situations. Give thanks in every circumstance that you face. doesn't mean we're thankful for the bad things, but we can be thankful to God in the midst of them. We don't thank God for the evil. We don't thank God for the bad things. But again, as we mentioned from Psalm 23, we're thankful that He is with us in them. came across This story, maybe you've heard it, maybe you've read it. Corey Ten Boom is a Dutch woman in her autobiographical book, The Hiding Place. She wrote about her family's experience. They were undergoing persecution from the Third Reich during World War II. They were a family that was caught harboring Jews, and so her family was sent off to concentration camps. So obviously we're, we're talking years and decades ago, and yet the, the horror and the trauma of that we still realize and remember. So in this book it says, At one point, Corey and her sister Betsy were sent to their third camp, Ravensbrook, and upon their arrival at these new barracks, they realized that among other horrors of camp, their barracks were completely infested with fleas. Mm. So as if being, you know, overtaken in a concentration camp wasn't bad enough, flea infestation. So what was written in her book, this is part of the dialogue that came between her and her sister upon their arrival in the barracks with the fleas. Fleas, I cried. Betsy, this place is swarming with them. How can we live in such a place? probably be some of your thoughts, some of my thoughts. I mean, I don't want to be here. We're we're here, uh, you know, we were harboring and and taking care of uh, some of the Jews, and now we're placed in the concentration camp. I don't want to be here in the first place, but if I have to be here, I certainly don't want a place with fleas. And here was her sister's reply. Show us. Show us how. It was said so matter-of-factly, Corey said, it took me a second to realize... She was praying to God. More and more, the distinction between prayer and the rest of her life seemed to be vanishing for Betsy. Corey, she said excitedly, he's given us the answer before we asked, as he always does. How many of you have experienced that? I know I have. God giving you an answer before you even pray or ask for For a result or for a response. She said, before we asked, as he always does, in the Bible this morning, where was it? Read that part again. I glanced down the long, dim aisle to make sure no guard was in sight. Then I drew the Bible out from its pouch. It was in 1 Thessalonians, and she read this. Rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus. That's it, Cory, she said. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now to thank God for every single thing about this new barracks. I stared at her. Then I stared around me in this dark, foul-aired room. Such as? I asked. Such as being here together, she said. I bit my lip. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus. Such as what you're holding in her hands, she said. I, I looked down at the Bible. Yes, thank you, dear Lord. Thank you that there was no inspection when we entered here. Thank you for all the women here in this room who will meet you in these pages. Are you being challenged yet? In a concentration camp filled with fleas, and they're thankful they've got a copy of the Word of God, and they're thankful there are so many women who will be around them who's going to hear about and be touched by the presence of God. Yes, said Betsy. Thank you for the crowding here. Since we're packed so close, that many more will hear. She looked at me expectantly. Corey, she pleaded. Oh, all right, I said. Thank you for the jammed, crammed, stuffed, packed, suffocating crowds. <laughs> How many of you, that would be like your prayer? Oh, thanks for all this whatever, God. God. That was her prayer. Thank you, Betsy went on serenely, for the fleas and the fleas, Corey said. This was too much. Betsy, there's no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. Give thanks in all circumstances, she quoted. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are part of this place where God has put us. And so we stood between the piers of bunks and gave thanks for fleas. But this time, Corey wrote, I was sure Betsy was wrong. As the story unfolds, their nightly Bible studies attracted more and more and more women. And Corey started wondering if they would get caught. And so she began to ask one of the women, she said, why don't the Nazis ever come in and check on us? And the woman said, it's because of the fleas. They won't come near this place because of the fleas. And then Corey remembered the Bible verse and she said, God, thank you for the fleas. Giving thanks in the midst of every circumstance. She wasn't crazy about the fleas. She would much rather not have had them. But she realized that what some would consider probably one of the most horrid experiences of this last century was that she could give thanks in all circumstances, even in the midst of the fleas. Listen, thankfulness, it's an attitude we have. It's a decision, a choice you and I can choose to make. It's based on our trust in God, based on our trust in His promises. We can be thankful even in the midst of difficulties doesn't mean we're thankful for the bad things, but even in the midst of the bad things. Maybe you're going through a difficult situation. Maybe you're coming out of a difficult situation. Maybe the last thing on your mind is living thankful, being thankful. I want to challenge. I want to encourage you. As Corey's autobiography encouraged, there's always something to thank God for. So we look at the scripture, we look at this, this text, and, and Paul writes all of these actions and attitudes, they're written in a present tense encouraging you and I to continually, on an ongoing basis, be joyful, be prayerful, be thankful. It's not just to rejoice when something goes good and stop. It's not just to be prayerful when we've got a need in our life and stop. It's not just to be thankful when things go well and stop. It's an ongoing, continual action and attitude of joyfulness, prayerfulness, thankfulness. Remember those words. Always, continually, and in all circumstances. It's God's will. These are things that should characterize your life and my life as we seek to live our life for God. What is God's will for you? What is God's will for me? Be joyful. Be prayerful. Be thankful.